Blog Talk Radio. Sunday, November 14, 2021, and my name is Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB, KLRB-FM Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. I want to thank our listeners for tuning back in tonight. Tonight, we bring... Sheila Lyle back on live with us, and I'll be introducing her in a moment as we continue this true murder mystery, who killed Arthur Smith, and why is George Scapes an innocent man serving a life sentence for his murder when there was nothing forensically there to give any credibility to that indictment and the fact that he was found guilty and spending a life sentence in prison for a murder he did not commit. There's no justice there anywhere. There's no justice for Sheila and her family. There's no justice for George and his loved ones either. I want to thank you once again for tuning in to Tanya Talks. It's brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblower Summit, as well as Journeys to Justice, a non-for-profit that I founded to help and expose those that are victims to public negligence or corruption. I want to say hi to my mom in New England. It was great to see you, Mom. Hopefully, we'll do it again soon. I love you, Mom, and thank you very much for tuning in. So uh, last week, I'm going to summarize what we went through last week. I'll bring Sheila Lyle on live. Actually, she is right now. She's just holding her tongue, and I can't wait to have her on. Um, But we'll summarize the beginning of the letter from last week. Last week. Last week, week, we started reading and commenting on the letter at the time that was written anonymously uh, by an attorney, the defense attorney for George Gates, who was defending him in the murder of Arthur Smith. Sheila Lyle, as I said, is back on with us tonight as we continue the letter. Now, if you missed last Sunday's show, again, I'm summarizing you the first half that was forensically finally determined to be written by Lou Williams, again, George's attorney. Lou named three motives for covering up the murder of Arthur Smith, a father, a husband, and a middle-aged man, uh, and the manager of Rink's department store in Bellefontaine, Ohio. Uh, This was a very number one motive. It was a very high-profile murder. Arthur Smith was well-regarded. He was known by many. He was loved by many. And so it was a high-profile murder And there was an awful lot of pressure for the prosecutor, McGillery, to solve the problem and put the neighborhood, that area, you know, at at ease that whoever is out there murdering somebody, that they no longer have to worry. But curiously, McGillery was also up for re-election that year, okay? You, you take that however you want to. All right, the second reason is the real killers, the real people that were actually involved in, in the murder, that they didn't want to be found out. And, uh, and it is believed that they had the first-hand knowledge 
okay, obviously, if they were involved in covering up and participating in this cover-up and murder or at least aware of what happened. And three, um, uh, this is third murder, get a guy who's not the most perfect guy in the world. He had been busted before, George Gates did, was for forgery and for um, and for robbery. So he wasn't an, exactly an upstanding citizen, but uh, also he was not a he was not a, a, a violent citizen, though. Okay, so he wasn't violent. He he was involved in things that he shouldn't have been involved in. His back history, his backstory was a horrific upbringing, um, and as as it happens often. People with those kinds of upbringings don't always wind up in the best situations for themselves personally. Um, throughout the first half of the letter, the writer, again, this is Lou Thompson, who is believed to be living in Columbus, Ohio now um, and, and retired, refers to uh, the liar quite a bit. And whenever he writes the words the liar, it's in uppercase, okay, and relays and the liar the, reli- the liar is known to be an informant, a jailhouse snitch that has everything to gain by going along with this story put before him by the prosecution, a story that was filled with lies, a story that the FBI investigated and discounted and went absolutely nowhere. But Prosecutor McGillery chose to prosecute George Skates anyways with no DNA, with no witnesses, nothing nothing credible, nothing but snitch testimony by a violent career criminal, Jimmy Rogers. George Gates had robbed and forged, as I said, but never was uh, found to be or engaged in violence. And he and, and Jimmy Rogers knew each other. They had done some things together, apparently, but Jimmy Rogers was getting far too carried away, far too dangerous, far too violent, and George removed himself from his side, and George started getting his life together. Jimmy didn't exactly like that. And finally, before we begin where we left off in the trial, it was Art Smith's uh, own son, Bruce. Now, in the letter, Lou Williams is mistaken by calling Bruce Art Smith's stepson. So Sheila corrected no. that. No? Am I wrong? No. Bruce was Dad's son-in-law. Uh, oh, okay, uh, son-in-law. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, thank uh, the, you very The letter much. had him, uh, uh, had it wrong. Um, Correct, and that's your husband. Yes, that was that your, was, Bruce no. was my husband. That, he was your husband, right? Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. forgive me. All right, right. okay. <laughs> okay, and and uh, he had felt that um, that Marianne, who was Art Smith's wife, uh-huh. okay, it was his second wife, uh, that he had felt that she had something to do with the murder, and uh, he had found some wire that he felt was the same wire that was used for tying up his father-in-law. Uh, the court yeah. seen, they found it in the house. In, well, he found it in, in the, the boat. He had a boat. No. Um, he was working on a small boat uh, parked be, beside the house. Okay. And, okay, and, so the and, court and, seen, Go ahead. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> Um, okay, so the court seemed to hold Bruce to a standard that was not reasonable when you, uh, because they were looking for who he, who she would have done this with because it's not it wasn't an act uh, given the heinous nature of the crime uh, on your father. Uh, it wasn't an act where she could have worked alone. So the court was holding Bruce or seemed to be holding Bruce to the standard uh, where he could not he could not name another suspect. At the at the time, but yet uh-huh. the court took. The, but yet the court took credence in Jimmy Rogers' snitch testimony. So, so there's some conflicts, some contradictions there that makes no sense at all. 
but in this letter, it seems uh, it, it just seems that uh, none of this makes sense. But the letter does make sense. So where he left off was the motive of Marianne, Marianne Smith, uh, uh-huh. uh, the the wife at the time of your father. Uh, she was 20 years younger than Arthur, and it was known by many, except apparently by Arthur that she and the Bellafontaine police officer were lovers. Uh, the Bellafontaine police officer, his name is Ransbottom, Patrolman Dean Ransbottom. So that's that Tanya? a summary, yes. Yes, you have a caller on here. Uh, the name is Hotep. Hang on here, I'm bringing him live, and he has something to add to this conversation. Hold on a second here. Okay. Okay, you're live and on the I, air I think with I'm Tanya. In. Hey, ladies, how are yes. you? Yes. Hi, thank you for calling. And would you like to tell us your name? Hotep, H-O-T-E-P. Okay, thank you for calling, Hotep. How are you tonight? I'm okay. Um, if you don't mind my adding, the violence that you're discussing is... Um, I think a national issue beyond the individual civilian, and it does seem as though the nation itself um, has a lot of aggression and violence at the top level. And so it seems not plausible that civilians themselves will be better than the actual federal, state, and local governments, which tend to wield both historically and presently um, excessive uh, aggression and violence against not only some marginalized groups, but also to some female groups and also to some third world nations. And so I'm not, of course, justifying an individual going out and hurting another person. But if our federal, state, and local government don't exhibit the kinds of sensible, rational dialogue and peaceful actions, then it makes it much more likely that the civilians in the community, some of them of a, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that violence and aggression is the solution. So that's just what I wanted to say. We have to improve as a nation in order to hold individuals, especially children, teens, accountable. Do we ever. uh, Thank you very much for that comment. Yes, we need to not just get trust back, but give, but there needs to be a reason to trust again. You know, there, uh, and it sounds as though you might have some experience with this, and how can you not nowadays when, you know, people have had so much time with the COVID lockdowns and whatnot, and to be exposed to, a good deal of, of tyranny. I'm not anti-government, but I am anti-corruption. That is for sure. I'm not anti-police, but I'm anti-police violence. You, you know, and and you know, sadly, uh, there's you, you know, some people can make it bad for the for the rest. So we need to make it right. It's it's way too political. What do you think, Hotet? Well, I I think that there's nothing wrong with being anti-British in the early days of America. And therefore, if we could be anti-British and anti-Native Indian and anti-female and anti-child rights and anti-black and slave, if we look in 2021, the phrase anti-police or anti-government isn't necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean a person is planning or seeking Mm -hmm. physical aggression against police or government, it may be that the person has identified, analyzed history, evaluated, compared it to present treatment of various groups, including some police officers, and then concluded that the, the government itself and our police forces themselves are the problem. It doesn't mean that the word police anywhere in the world means that all police are bad because you can't just take a noun and say, well, all people with this label police, doctor, black, green, Christian, atheist are bad. We have to analyze and say, well, you know, maybe the title can lead to some erroneous thinking. So I would say there's nothing wrong, but we're afraid today a lot of us to say I'm anti-Republican or anti-Democrat or anti-XYZ because it's not politically, uh, uh, you know, 
cool to say. And maybe we I should think... stop throwing labels out there, huh? Maybe well, we should we don't start label... talking about behavior and, and our constitution and start, uh, and and worry yeah, about true. that more than labels. More than labels, yeah, that's true. Although it makes it more difficult then to analyze because Identify. if we just, you know what I mean? For example, if we were yeah. to say a group of people with the title X, the majority of them do Y. If we can't label that group of people, but that group of people operate under that label, whether it's nonprofits or for-profits or certain unions mm -hmm. that protect abusive people, then they can say, well, our organization is okay. So I think it takes both. I think we can evaluate labels, but also we can't always use the label as the sole determinant because then what happens is not everyone fits the label. <laughs> you know, Amen. I, I agree with you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We, we need to change things because the planet is in big trouble with global warming and with this shot that they want everyone to get. They can't help the homeless, yeah. but they sure can find everyone and stick a needle in you for profit. Exactly. Because all the, all the needles, all these shots are patented. If they love us, they love us so much that they created patents for products that have side effects and then got politicians to say they're protected initially from lawsuits. And now that, you know, I mean, it's, and then they, oh, the shot. I just good. listened to a 40-minute, to a 40-minute um, uh, speaker. Um, his name is David Smith on, on this. And I'm going to encourage you to tune in on Tuesday night because we're going to be having discussions about this. The show Tuesday night is very much going to be about what we're talking about uh, right now, like with with the shots and the, and the politics and the dabs and, and and you know the side effects and whatnot. So I'm going to encourage you at least to um, to call in and uh, and uh, to to listen and call in if you'd like. Because I'll ask for um, I'll be asking for you know callers if they if they want to. We start half an hour later Tuesday night. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, it starts at uh, I don't know what time zone you're in, but it does start half an hour later, and we go for an hour and a half. Might go for two hours this this Tuesday. Um, okay, but I think if if you yeah. yeah, I'll put it on calendar yeah, very much quickly, on that subject. quickly about this vaccine. They're not teaching people about lung capacity, breathing exercises, right. how mRNA creates proteins and how proteins typically That's can right, interact protein. with the DNA. They're not mentioning right. alternatives. What they're doing is getting celebrities to bully. So I'm a celebrity right. and you are. And I say, hey, you didn't get the shot. Well, this is no different from the Salem witch trials. If the scientific exactly. method, and coercion yeah. has not been legal for how coercion has never been legal, and and right now that coercion that's making people change their minds, every, it's all unlawful. But um, I'm I'm going to uh, jump off with you now and yeah, ask thank you, you to please call in. Please call in on Tuesday because we'll just have you on with us throughout the show, okay? Yeah, because you. you've got a lot to offer. I can tell that. I appreciate and it. Thank we'll you get for back your time. The... No, thank you very much. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Um, interesting caller, and I, and I like what he said, because Sheila, um, as we know, uh, clearly, you know, this is not a solo in, instance uh, that, is, that is going on right now. Uh, we know that there are many people that are wrongfully convicted, uh, but Sheila, you've been working on uh, on ha having justice for your father's death, and and also in concert, you know, you're you're an ally, you're an advocate for George Gates, knowing that he's not the man who murdered your father. Correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, I okay. I have been off and on o over the years uh, when I've ever I've had you know uh, someone to work with or someone that will listen to me. Because <laughs> um, so this, this, this whole, miles, this whole case has been uh, suppressed as much as possible. Yes, yes, it's been suppressed. There's, there's, there's much bigger. There's there's another element to his case, which we will definitely be getting into in uh -huh. in the, in the future. Yes, but it, uh, for Arthur Smith's murder, he is sentenced to life. Uh, and um, so now we're at the point where 
you know, what do you think about those motives? Do you tend to agree with what Lou Thompson, his defense attorney, said uh, Williams, about Williams? I, Williams. Um, it, Williams, yeah, Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. You tend to agree what he said about the motives. They're all... They, they, I'm, not, they, I'm they, not understanding what you what you ask me. Well, you know, Lou Thompson uh, states that there were three motives for the cover-ups. Uh huh. The, the the one being uh, the pressure on the district attorney, and 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 his reelection, and two being. Um, let me see. I have them in front of me. Forgive me. Uh, uh, and and then you know, two being you know the real killers. Uh, you, you know, yeah. wanting to cover up and that it tends oh, to be oh, taken yeah. off of, off of them. Yes, that so. way, the investigation goes the direction they want. And three being the third motive was, um, you know, of course, you know, get George. It came in handy to get George off the streets because he wasn't the perfect guy at the time. Yes, but this it was, was a combined effort between uh, Val Fountain and Marion County, um, mm-hmm. where George Gates lived. Uh, they they both worked together to 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 uh, put this together against George. Now, now Logan County is where Bell Fountain is, correct? Yes, yes. All right, and Marion County is um, where George. Yes, yes, it's it's probably uh, uh, on on close to fifty miles from Bell Fountain. How many miles? Uh, close to forty-five, fifty miles, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So they're they weren't necessarily neighboring, were they? No, not not close. No. Uh, and, okay. and I'm Good. familiar with Marion because I uh, I went to doctors for years off and on uh, in Marion okay. and, and my son. Uh, okay. So you knew where Marion was and. Uh-huh. Uh, George, in the interview that I had with him, he had said that he had only been to he had only been to uh Bell Fountain once in his life and that was you know, years outside of this this incident, a couple of years outside of this incident, and that he wasn't uh-huh. even anywhere in the area that day and there's nothing that proves that he actually was in the area that day. No, there wasn't. Um mhm. Uh, and, and, and until the indictment, you know, and, and it came out, I, you know, we had, my husband and I had no, uh, never heard his name or, you know, saw him or anything uh, until he was brought to Bell Fountain. I want to make and that clear. And he had said he never heard of your father's name. He never knew. No. He never heard of your father's name. No. So he he was actually indicted three years, if I'm correct. After the murder of your father? Well, I, I think it was in 84, I think. Dad disappeared in October of 79. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, so then it was longer. Uh, well, it was longer. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, um yeah, it was it was over four years, uh, really. When when the uh, okay, I'm sorry, we'll uh, correct the record. To, I took was told it to it the was grand three jury. Um, wow. So, so the um, so the people in Val Fountain were very uncomfortable with this unsolved murder. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yes, they were. Uh, it, it, um, it, it was um, very, you know, upsetting, you know, uh, for a lot of people, you know, and, and they, you know, wanted answers and, and uh, like they always do. <laughs> um, right. And um, 
we you want to know that the everything doing... we could do uh, and and it wasn't really appreciated uh, what we did do you're expected i guess to stay home and and wait um which we didn't choose to do uh, right so what did you choose to do Oh, my husband and my brother went out and actually searched. Um, they, they after the car was found, they they calculated how much gas because he had just filled it up that afternoon, and we knew it. Uh, the Volkswagen, and and they uh, uh, determined how far the car had been driven uh, that night. And in uh, the amount of, by the amount of gas that was used, uh, my husband even um, searched uh, by private plane, you know, by air for the car. Um, just uh, and how was the, the the VW? It was a VW, right? It showed up. Yes, it, right. it was red. Uh, yes, it was parked at the apartments behind. Uh, the rinks uh, building. So how many days later, after he, your father went missing, was the car found? Uh, I can't tell you the exact uh, days. It was, okay. it was um, I don't know whether it was four days or five it's been days. It's an awful long time. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, no farther than it was from the store. Uh um, is it, is it sometimes Sheila, things that... are just overlooked, but it was directly there was a street behind it, and and then and then uh, these apartments. So um, um, it uh, before it was just a while before anyone that lived back there noticed, you know, noticed mm-hmm. the car. It, uh, do Do you think it's a possibility that the car was driven there later on? Uh, they or think it was driven there and parked that night, um, okay. as what they always said. Uh, okay. it, it, it's hard to tell. Uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. So um, back to the letter. Uh, this is I'm I'm now quoting uh, Lou Williamson. Uh, Lee Williams, several days after the Art Smith murder, Belafonte's police chief Harvey and Logan County Sheriff Watts found themselves uh, uh, themselves found the body of Art Smith. They didn't uh, find it. The, the author of the, this letter had that part wrong. They did not find okay. it that day. Uh, okay. Uh, but they uh, they walked across that uh, uh, Chief Harvey, Police Chief Harvey walked directly across. I was told uh, by Milt Watts directly uh, across the middle of the field and back, and okay. parked on on ten. Uh, okay. In in the, the highway that runs uh, uh, past that field, uh, and he. he <laughs> Milt Watts said that, um, told my husband that uh, Police Chief Harvey asked him to stay in the car. Uh, why, I don't know, but he did. But the, I don't know how he could have found his body walking directly across the middle of the field uh, because he couldn't, he wasn't even there. He couldn't have been there over a day or so before his body was found. Okay. That was proven yeah. by autopsy. Right, by the autopsy and the medical. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Now, how did but, um, – go ahead. No, well, go ahead. <laughs> All right. The, the letter says, the Bellefontaine newspaper at the time took the picture of Harvey and Watts, Harvey and Watts, and ran that picture on the front page of the paper – also, a write-up for the paper claimed that police chief Harvey and sheriff were randomly uh, sheriff uh, Watts were. Uh, uh, I'm trying to read this randomly oh. and personally that this was not being done. Hmm. 
Um, okay, so I, I, I rewrote it uh, according to the letter that was written. I just did it because the letter was so light, you know, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's a so, um, uh, okay, it wasn't being done by, oh, okay, because people were not, because they weren't doing the searches, the patrolmen or the deputy sheriff, um, searching areas around Belafonte and just happened to run into uh, the body of uh, Art Smith is what he said. Okay, yeah, but, so but apparently that, there wasn't. But they didn't find his, the, the article uh, said that, or this letter says that, but they had that wrong. He was not found at that time. He was found, not found until Sunday night. That was nine, the ninth day that he he was missing. He was found by an uh, older man from Bell Fountain that had a, had a small garden, and and uh, he um, it was just off in the edge of that field. Um, uh, it was just a few yards from the road from 179. And and before he left, after attending his garden, I guess he had his he was supposed to have his wife with him. Uh, they noticed some clothing over in the bean field on over a ways and when he went toward it to see what it was he thought somebody threw a bunch of clothes out or something and and, and he realized it was uh, my dad's body so and and yet the okay so he's the one who found the body and it was not uh-huh. it was not uh through this random walk through the field. No, the the author of the letter had that part wrong. Okay, because it does say, "Please keep Harvey knew exactly where to yeah. find Art Smith's body." Well, okay. he might have known, you know, uh, uh, but he didn't actually body find it then. Okay. Okay. All right. So at that point, the man had called the police, and they. Obviously, right? You find a body. So at uh-huh. that point, that was that was the day. Okay. All right. So um, the author of the letter continues, and he's saying he's saying that he believes that Dean Ransbottom, who is you know the uh, patrolman who is allegedly having the affair with Marianne, your father's uh, your father's wife. Uh, told mm-hmm. Harvey about the crime, and the minute Art Smith came up missing, Harvey, Harvey, that Chief Harvey suspected Officer Ransbottom was involved. Harvey, Harvey, and Assistant Chief Police Anderson were aware of the fact that Ransbottom was very friendly with Smith's wife. Smith's wife ran and owned a jeans store located on Main Street in Bellefontaine. After Ransbottom went into the store, um, Officer Ransbottom went into the store often while on duty to see Mrs. Smith. Officer Ransbottom was closely questioned about Art Smith's disappearance immediately when it happened. Ransbottom broke down and told Harvey and Anderson everything. So this is this is the belief. What do you feel about that? Um. Well, uh, in hindsight, yeah, at this time, uh, it, it's, you know, it's uh, believable. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't know at the time that this was going on. Um, right. If I did, I would have uh, told them so. <laughs> right. uh, I, I just yeah, I learned about so. it from the anonymous letter. Right. Right, that must have been something else to to read. To read, now, yes, it was. Your, and you got this anonymous letter. Um, this anonymous letter came to your family um, when, just for our listeners to refresh. Them. Well, uh, I, I think it was it was like two weeks or or between two and four weeks, I think is what I said last week, you know, it's hard mm-hmm. to remember, that's been a long time since sure. 1984 found guilty, <laughs> um, right what after he was found guilty after George was found guilty yes okay okay um, 
Okay, so about a month later, possibly. Um, uh, uh, it, and of course, again, the, the, the author of the letter, you know, says that he had a source for his information, uh, a lot of this information that helped put him to put it all together in this letter. And, um, mm-hmm. But no one know, ever knew either who that person was. Mhm. Mhm. I it does make one wonder. And again, you know, uh the reason the, the you know, where this is a cold case. It supposedly it's not cold um because there are people supposedly that are working on it, but this is to you know, we need to bring this back to light. And anybody out there who's listening who knows anything about this murder, uh we're we're looking for uh, people who can step up. Yes, because, I, I uh, appreciate if they would contact me. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. And I don't know if you want to give your contact information or what you want to do with that. Um, that's up to you. Or, uh, or they can reach out to me, and I can and I can. Yeah, they can reach out know. to you, and you can let me know. Um, okay. So if anybody has this information, any kind of information uh, that would bring justice to this case, you, you know, who really killed Arthur Smith and uh, relieved the, the wrongful conviction on uh, on uh, George Skates, please uh, reach out to Journeys to Justice. One word, Journeys to Justice at Outlook.com. And the two is not the number. It's Journeys to Justice spelled out. Journeys to Justice at Outlook.com. And I will pass on any information, certainly, to Sheila Lyle, uh, the daughter of Art Smith, who is brutally murdered. Um, Back to the letter, it, it, it goes on to say, people around Belafonte, especially lawyers, openly called Belafonte police Chief Harvey a crook. They do this because Harvey is a crook. If Harvey turned in Ransbottom and Mrs. Smith for murder, Chief Ransbottom threatened to tell everything he knew on Chief Harvey and everyone else on the Bellefontaine police force. Uh, Drinks on duty, sleeping on duty, stealing on duty, and most of all, sleeping with loose women on duty. Harvey had no choice but to drop the matter and put Ransbottom in charge of the investigation. That's huge. It's absolutely huge. To this day, what is the reputation of the Bellefontaine police? Uh, Well, I I don't hear as much as I used to, but... Um, uh, there's still a a lot of this I don't hear about, but you you hear things, you know. Right. Um, Right. uh, There's a lot still going on. Um, This is a generational thing. You know, I, I find, you know, working with, you know, so many people that I have that, you know, where there's corruption, the corruption has been bred, and it just it keeps on. It continues to pass along and pass along and pass along until finally it's exposed and something is done about it. And it uh-huh. seems to me as though, uh, as though uh, the police departments need some cleansing. And uh-huh. of course, there are still uh, people that are still alive that are affiliated with this case. It goes on to, to say Marion County, as you had said. Um, Marion County Police became aware of the unsolved Art Smith murder. Mary, Marion County Police brought the liar, who we know that that is referring to Jimmy Rogers, mm-hmm. to the attention of Officer Ransbottom, okay, and he is the one who was having the affair, allegedly. And it was Officer Ransbottom that visited the liar independent country because he was already behind bars. Uh, It was um, Officer Ransbottom 
So the one that has potentially been indicated here as being responsible for this crime, along with Marianne, um, and did the penetrator in the first place, uh, the phony story, or and put, and put the phony story in the liar's mouth. The Federal Bureau of Investigation would not believe the story, so it was dropped until a second liar was found at found uh, in the Logan County prosecutor uh, McGillery went ahead and placed the phony murder charges on George Gates. It is possible that the Logan County prosecutor actually believed that George Gates, Gates did the murder of Art Smith. So he does finish that paragraph saying it is possible that the Logan County Police Office, uh, pr- prosecutor, which was McGillery, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, McGillery. Felt, felt that he was guilty well, because... The, there's a ch- there's a chance in the very beginning, but from everything I know that that went on step by step, uh, that's hard for me to believe. Uh, right. Um, and when you look at the case as individual things that happened, and at the case as a whole, and as we peel back the onion with you listeners. It's it's incomprehensible to think that the prosecutor would actually ultimately believe that this was a crime committed by George, uh, given the lack of any kind of credible evidence whatsoever, and that uh, there were uh, uh, there were many other suspects that should have remained suspect suspect, but. There was interference yeah. here, the interference by those that needed to cover this up. Yes, and, and McGovery tried this heavy in the press. I mean, it was it, the articles that that he ran in the paper and uh, what he put on the radio. Uh, uh, it, against George Skate. He was campaigning, uh, in a sense. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it was all, you know, uh, people tend to believe what they read in the, everything they read in the paper and everything they hear on the radio. Uh, people, when you're personally involved some, uh, with a case and it happens to you, you question everything and check it out. And that's what... People need to question things more. Um, don't 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 just take what you're told. You know, and um, you you can't do despite that despite who they are. Yeah, despite yeah. who they are, right, Sheila? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would it would be nice to think that you could just count on, you know, the prosecutor doing the right thing or the investigators doing the right thing. Um, apparently, the FBI did the right thing. Which is, which yeah, is nice. um, yes, I really give them credit for it um, uh, that they didn't pay any attention to it. Um, so there's no closure for you here. There's no closure for who really killed your your father, and there's no, somebody. And, and I might add, you you spend years looking at these people and they don't have any trouble looking at you and knowing what they were had done uh, and and it's um and and you know you know what they done and it's hard to live with that that makes uh, that makes everything a lot harder you know oh boy i can't even imagine <laughs> now so did you you personally spoke with uh officer Ransbottom then what was the question? Did you personally speak with Officer Ransbottom then? No, I never. I never spoke with him, or or, or he never worked with me. I, I, so he never uh, came I, to I don't you know to investigate. How, uh, long he was investigated a lot. I know he was sent directly to the store that morning that that my father was missing. He can't. It was Friday night uh, uh, when he disappeared. Saturday morning, he was the first one in the store. 
so the, uh, what I I'm absolutely surprised about is that okay so Bottom took it on himself to make sure that he was the chief investigator as we had gone over and reviewed and yet you always interview all family members and he never came and spoke with you directly no uh uh-uh. no um what when what the first i spoke to the police department was on monday morning when i went in with uh, my stepmother um I had stayed all night there on Sunday night, and Monday morning I went with her. Uh, 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 lots of times. Uh, then after that, they called us in, my husband and I, uh, uh, once, and and we talked to him. But they just didn't. They never really talked to my brother, and he'd been up there on. She, my stepmother, had called him, and he had been up there on Saturday afternoon because he was supposed to work on the Volkswagen and she called to tell him that uh, dad asked him to come up to the house that dad and then told him dad was missing and you know um, because he was waiting so, on so my dad to bring asked... the car out on Saturday <laughs> and they, so uh, but I didn't know about it till Sunday morning because I was sick um, okay right and let's remind let's remind the listeners that um the night that he went missing, where was Marianne? The night he went missing, she was at home at their home she was at home yes, mm-hmm. and then the next uh, I, th- the I think she day, closed the store around eight o'clock i think um it, right her store uh-huh downtown, yeah, and went home. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And then it was my understanding that the following night that she went out somewhere while he was still missing, and we we know that his bank account uh, was drained. Well, that um, was on so, that was uh, uh, on Saturday morning. First mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Um, First thing Saturday morning, his bank account was drained, and that was uh-huh. by Marianne. Yes. Okay. Okay, so and why would one do something like that? That is very suspicious activity. Um, I would going say. Back to, yeah, very suspicious. <laughs> going back to the day that Smith's body was found, we're back to the letter uh, where the author is saying, Bell Fountain Police Chief Harvey was in a tight spot, and none of Harvey's men wanted any uh, part in criminal charges. In a criminal cover-up. Okay, so let me read that again. Going back to the day Smith's body was found, Bella Fontaine Police Chief Harvey was in a tight, tight spot, and none of Harvey's men wanted any part in a criminal cover-up. Well, okay, that's good. Harvey couldn't go <laughs> out and find and find the body by himself because he is known as a crook. So that's why he brought the other guy. So Harvey suggested Sheriff Watts. Watts is known as an honest, is known as honest as well as the rest of the sheriff's men at the time, okay? Um, so he suggested Sheriff Watts go with him to do some searching. Harvey told Watts that it will look good to the public if the police chief and the sheriff were both personally searching. It was then that both men uh, walked across the body of Art Smith, but you're saying that that was incorrect. Yes, well, that was incorrect, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, and now we're moving on to the trial. So at the trial of George State, Bruce Lyle, so this is your husband. Uh-huh. Okay, Bruce Lyle. Son-in-law, it, it, it should be. All right. Uh, Art Smith, okay, son-in-law, all right. Um, right, even though he wrote stepson, okay, testified that immediately prior to Art Smith's murder, murder, Art Smith had told Bruce Lyle that extensive shoplifting was being done at the rink store. Art Smith believed the shoplifting was being done by the employees. 
but Art Smith could never catch one in the act. The stealing was actually being done by Bellefontaine police officers. There have long been stories around the town of Bellefontaine that older officers enter large stores at night and steal whatever they want. They were doing this at Rink's store. In exchange for liars' testimony, both liars in the George Skates frame-up were offered special treatment. Okay, well, let me, let's go back to, to, uh, to the officers, to the older police officers were, um, it was well known in the community that they were thieves going around the stores because uh, I know that there was a time and still is where, you, where police have keys to mm-hmm. department stores, to you know, and institutions uh-huh. to go in well, after hours if there's something suspicious or whatnot. Well, back in back in that time period, the the police officers were officers would I I think what they called walking the beat. They would they would walk right. the streets downtown and go check the doors, you know, uh, to to see that the store was secured, you know, it was locked right. and and you know, if they uh, they done that regularly, so if they were seen around stores, um why would anybody common. question them, you know? And and it right. was common knowledge these uh, these stories all the time and mm. The stories um, that they of, that of they them entering stores and taking, you know, what they wanted. Were you aware of that prior to your father's murder? Yes. You were. Interesting. Yes. I'd okay. heard it. I'd heard it before. Yes. Okay. All right. So, in exchange for the liar's testimony, both liars in the George Gate frame-up were offered special treatment. I don't know what has come of liar number two, but liar number one, Jimmy Rogers, the one that actually took the witness stand against George Skate's life, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and he's free now, by the way. He's been free for many years, um, but uh, uh, he was uh, stand against George Skate's lives quite well, lives quite well in Logan County. Uh, and again, this was written back then, um, jail right to this very day. So this is this was when he was still in jail and he was living uh-huh. well. And this is about, you know, two weeks to a month after the trial where George was found guilty that you got this letter. And so at the time, Jimmy Rogers was living quite well in the Logan County Jail. But since then... Uh, I mean, he's been free, and and uh, and he uh, where he would be doing multiple life sentences himself for the right reasons. Um, he has uh, this is uh, referencing at the time that he was in Logan County Jail. He has two lounge chairs in this in his in this very own private unlocked cell. His wife visits him whenever he wants, and they are not watched. The liar has his own personal TV set. He also has been allowed to leave on his own honor to have pizza at a local restaurant. Um, And Logan County Prosecutor McGillery sure doesn't want the liar. Uh, And at that point, I could not read that last sentence, so I did not write it down, uh, rewrite it. So he, his lifestyle was up, even though he was still behind bars. And uh-huh. um, this, is, this is a typical common thing for jailhouse snitches, and that's why there's so many statistics out there that show why uh, snitch testimony and informant testimony puts many people behind bars that do not belong there, and that's that's a whole for a whole show in itself. Uh, but how do I know about the liar's living conditions in Logan County Jail? He says the liar is kept segregated from our from other inmates and even kept out of view of all other inmates. 
I made copies of my last letter to you and sent them to Logan County Prosecutor and the Bellefontaine City Prosecutor. Shortly after I sent those letters, they found my source of information. He's in a heap of trouble, but I'll save that for another time. So, but I never, so, re- we never received anything else from him. Um, after that, uh, no. Um, so the implication here is that they found out who Lou's source was, and you would think that. Typically, that would be a good thing. Let's get the right guy. Let's get the right information. But instead, this guy who was telling the truth about what really happened, who apparently had information, okay, uh-huh. um, instead, he's in a heap of trouble for telling the truth. Uh-huh. Go well, figure that. It was all very hush-hush. I mean, we never heard anything of course, we uh, decided not to go to the prosecutor, uh, the city or or city prosecutor or McGillivray about this. We kept quiet. We didn't let anybody know that we had the letter either. Uh, but it was kept hush hush, you know. Right. Okay. Um, right, because that's something that you wouldn't want to be sharing necessarily. Um. When it's implicating the people, the very people that are supposed to be um, working in the name of justice. Goodness gracious! Yeah. Um. Uh, go ahead. The, no, go ahead. I'm. The frame up, uh, and we'll continue. Uh, almost done. He he goes on to say the frame up of George Gates worked so well that McGillery, the Logan County prosecutor, was prompted to frame up another innocent man for murder. (sighs) Um, To remove another old murder from the books at Logan County and just in time for the primary elections, make McGillery look real good to, uh, to the voters. And again, solely on liar's testimony. It happened at the March 1984 Logan County grand jury session. It is unclear as... It is unclear as as if an indictment was uh, issued or not, but one thing for sure, it has not been served as of this day, June 11th, 1984. The liars are still trying. And that is the end of his letter. So yeah. it worked so well. That sham worked so well to supposedly solve the murder of your father and during a time of re-election there was another murder that was on the books that they thought that they would just go pin that on somebody else. We have about two minutes left of the show Um, and of course you'll be back on again um, and I'll keep our listeners posted when that will be so please keep an eye on uh, Tanya Talks Facebook page as well as Journeys to Justice uh, Facebook page and well obviously Marty Oakley's uh, TS Radio Network and, and PPJG.me because all of her shows are advertised there um, What um, I'm going to give you just about 30 seconds to wrap up what you have to say for right now, what you have to say to the listeners um, uh, Well I I, I hope uh, they were really interested in the letter. I, I hope they give it a lot of thought. And and if anyone has any information, uh, like we said earlier, I'd appreciate it if they let you know. And, and uh, I would get with them. And thank you very much for having me on the show and the opportunity to share this with everyone. Thank you so much, Sheila. And this is still just the tip of the iceberg. There's more that will be shared. And if this compelled you, the tip of the iceberg, oh, please, do stay tuned. But let's try to solve this murder, number one. Try to solve this murder. I'm Tanya Hathaway from Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard. I'm Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke, 89.9 KLRB-FM. 
Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding area. Please do tune in again on Tuesday evening, half an hour after tonight's show started. And boy, oh boy, have we got subjects to talk about with you. Let's talk about that vaccination. Actually, it's biological warfare. Yes, it is. Let's talk and let's hear from you. We've got a lot of information to share with you. It's not so much buried anymore. More and more people are tuning in. More and more people are getting it right. God bless everybody. Stand up for your rights and good night.